Well, family, it is so good to be with you again this week. I, I don't know if you realize this, but we are getting pretty close to Pastor Pete's return, which is both exciting and kind of sad for me because I've kind of enjoyed this. So, <laughs> But he is coming back, and I know that he's coming back because he's texting me far more than he did at the beginning of this. And I try and tell him, enjoy your time away. Enjoy the time that you have on sabbatical. Things are fine here. Uh, But we are moving forward, and we have two weeks left of our sermon series in Ephesians. So this week and next week, and uh, we are diving into the armor of God. We're going to kind of tease it this week. It's going to be to be continued, and Joe is going to jump into that next week. This particular passage, though, reminds us that there is this war that is raging around us, and that we have to do something to withstand the attacks. On Monday, as I was getting ready to kind of prepare uh, my sermon this week, I was reading through this commentary on this particular passage by N.T. Wright. And he said, For some reason, almost whenever I write about passages like this one, dealing with spiritual warfare, I run into problems. And can I tell you, that was my week. I like to start writing on Tuesday. I will confess to you that I was not able to start writing until Friday. This week was filled with things, and they weren't bad things. And I don't know if this was a result of what what I'm preaching on this morning, but I will tell you that there are forces at work in our world that want to keep us from talking about this sort of thing. There are forces in the world, in our universe, in in creation here that don't want us to talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. But it's important that we talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. But before we do that, we need to pray. So would you pray with me once more? Lord, we are studying your word. We believe that your word is truth. We believe that it is alive and active and that it has the power to transform. But Lord, we know that this is a dangerous book. And I pray that as we approach it this morning, we would approach it with open hearts and minds, recognizing that you might very well work through your word this morning to do something in our lives that is challenging, that is difficult, that might very well be dangerous. Lord, I pray that you'd open us up to receive your word this morning. I pray that you would speak through me, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I mentioned, we are going to be diving into the armor of God, this thing that we put on, that we clothe ourselves in. When I was younger, I used to clothe myself in my dad's Marine Corps utilities, and I would play these big epic battles in my neighborhood with my friends. We would put on these uniforms. I had this old belt with this canteen, this metal canteen, and I'd fill it up with water because I thought it was fun and more authentic, but it tasted terrible. (laughs) But I would still wear it because, like, I'm going into battle. And so my friends and I, we would build these forts. We would hide in bushes. We would dig these trenches, and we had our cap guns, and we would have these epic battles of of good versus evil. We would clothe ourselves in these things. I remember on the 4th or the 5th of July, I would come out in the morning because the night before my neighborhood had had big fireworks displays, and I collect all the leftover fireworks, and these were our, our explosives. And you could kind of still smell it in the air. I remember one particular summer evening, it seemed like the whole neighborhood was out. We were all dressed up and we were playing this big battle. I don't remember exactly what the scenario was, but it was this good versus evil. And we were riding bikes and we were running around and there were kids in bushes and we had our our weapons to defeat whatever the evil foe was. 
Growing up, I also liked to play G.I. Joes, Transformers, Ninja Turtles. I liked to watch Disney movies that had the good characters, these heroes and these villains. And I imagine that at a very young age, I started to develop this idea of what it meant to be good and what it meant to be bad. Good and evil, heroes and villains. I imagine you probably did as well. Whatever sort of scenarios you had as you were playing, whatever movies you might have watched, it seems to be a part of our our childhoods. I imagine that a part of my understanding of good and evil also came from hearing Bible stories. These stories of Moses and Pharaoh, of, of David and Goliath. We hear about, about these characters, these people like Herod that seem so evil. And we start to develop this, this idea of what good and bad look like. But I think what often happens when we start to pluck stories out of the context of Scripture is we forget this overarching narrative of God's love and redemption from sin, the restoration of our relationships with God. Or to put it another way, we lose sight of this this battle that is being waged between God and sin, between redemption and sin. And we begin to simply view certain people, certain characters as bad and evil And we forget this larger spiritual war that is raging among us. And so when we pretend, have pretend battles, or we watch movies that pit the force against the dark side, or we read novels that have heroes and villains, we catch just a glimpse, just an illusion of this larger war that is taking place. But in this passage, Paul reminds us that this war is a real thing. This is not fiction, this is not fairy tale, this is not something that is made up, but this is real and it is dangerous. And it's not so much good people versus bad people, but it is this overarching spiritual struggle within which humanity finds itself. Where people and individual circumstances are really just tools. And Paul points out that if we are to withstand these attacks, we must take countermeasures. And so today we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. And so I invite you to turn there with me this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to, may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. The word of the Lord. As Paul wraps up this letter to the churches in and around Ephesus, he makes this final appeal. It's this this appeal to protect them from tearing down everything that he has taught them up to this point. He's encouraged them to be faithful to Christ, to have unity within the body, to be a bold witness and to have strong relationships. And he's encouraging them to stand firm because there is this war that is raging that is going to potentially impact all of these beautiful, wonderful things that he has encouraged them in already. And so he's encouraging them to be faithful to Christ in the midst of all of this, to remain united, to remain a bold witness and to remain in strong relationships. But if that is going to happen, 
something must take place as a countermeasure. And so he urges them to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul has already spoken to this idea of strength in the Lord. If we go back to chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, he laid out what the strength of the Lord looks like. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, get this, this that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Paul is telling the readers of this letter that they are to remain firm in the power and might of the Lord, the same power and might that raised Christ from the dead. That is mighty powerful. Amen? So here Paul is. He is providing this charge But why is this important? It's important because everything that is to follow, the instructions, if you will, for combating these spiritual attacks are based in, derived from, rooted in this mighty strength of the Lord. This is the source. This is where they need to go in order to be able to stand against the devil's schemes. Then Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Next week, Joe is going to unpack what the the armor of God looks like, the various aspects, the different elements. But it's important for us now to understand that as followers of Christ, we are to be completely covered by this armor, so to to speak, to, to fend off, to defend against the plans of the devil. A suit of armor is not all that effective if it is missing essential pieces, right? If it's missing missing the breastplate, if it is missing the helmet, if it is missing the sword, it is far less effective than a complete, a whole suit of armor. And this is essentially what Paul is referring to. He's saying, as we've talked about before, put on your new self. Follow after Christ. Tap into the strength that is available to you and put on this full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. And we do this by being strong in the Lord. Psalm 1 is probably my very favorite psalm. It's this beautiful, beautiful psalm. And the first three verses say this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers, but those who delight, but excuse me, but those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and those who meditate on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither, whatever they do prospers. I love the imagery of this tree planted by this stream of water. This person that is dedicated to the Lord. This person who has put on this new self, if you will, they're planted by the stream of water. This place where the the ground is fertile, where there's this life-giving soil. This tree is well-established. The tree has tapped into this water source, this source of life. And I think Paul is saying that in order for us to stand firm against all that the devil wants to throw at us, we need to be deeply rooted in the Lord like that tree. Our roots need to run deep into the strength 
and the might of the Lord. And this is because it is only by the strength and the might of the Lord that we will be able to withstand the onslaught that is to come. It's not by my might. It's not by your might. But it's by the might of the Lord. Paul says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The war that is being waged is not good people versus bad people. People are simply these tools that Satan is using. He is commandeering people, if you will, and using them in ways that are not productive, in ways that are not true to how God has created and designed us. It is this supernatural war. It is dark and it is destructive and the battle is being waged. And we have to recognize that the methods that we typically use to go about fighting battles in our world today are different than the tools and the methodology and the steps that we need to take to protect ourselves against the schemes of Satan. Paul says in verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. What I, what I find fascinating about this passage is that Paul does not call us to wage some divisive, casualty-ridden war. What Paul tells us to do is to stand firm. Paul doesn't tell us to panic. Paul doesn't tell us to turn and run. He doesn't call us even to storm the gates or take the hill. What he tells us to do is stand firm. He tells us to hold our ground. And I think the reason that he tells us to do this is because the battle, guess, guess what? The battle has already been won. <laughs> this battle that we are waging has already been won. And so Paul says, stand firm. He says, your responsibility in this is to stand firm. The responsibility of winning the battle is not on you. The responsibility of winning the battle is not on me. Our responsibility is to stand firm in the strength and the might of the Lord. You see, through Christ's death and resurrection, the battle has been won, and we are now called to be like those trees, deeply rooted in a nourishing place so that we can withstand the storms that blow, so that we can withstand the heat, so that we can flourish and bear fruit in and out of season, no matter what trials may come. We are called to put up a defense against the dark onslaught, against the trials and the tribulations, and they will come. Most certainly they will come. In Colossians, Paul writes, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Here we go, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance. We talked about this inheritance earlier this summer. Share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness 
and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The battle has been won. The battle has been won. We are called to stand firm. And if we stand firm, there is this beautiful, this rich, this incredible inheritance that awaits us. As the Holy Spirit strengthens us in the Lord, we bear witness to Christ's victory. 2 Corinthians says, We are pressed, hard pressed on every side, not crushed, not perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. To take a stand is to take a position of opposition. It is not a position of retreat. It is a position of strength. It is not a position of surrender. When we stand firm in the strength of the Lord, we testify to the steadfast love of the Lord, a love that is unflinching, a love that is unwavering, a love that is uncompromising. As we reveal this new life that we have been given in Christ through our strength, it testifies to who God is. It testifies to his love. It testifies to this eternal life that is available to us. There are so many things that we can build our lives upon. We see the options around us all the time. Everywhere we go, everywhere we look, there are things that seem good, that seem beneficial, that might even seem noble. But if what we are building our lives upon, if what we are standing firm in, if what we are sinking our roots deep down into isn't God, we are not standing firm on solid rock but rather on sinking sand. When I was a kid, my family would drive to church in the morning on Sundays, and we would sing songs. Some of them you probably know. Some of them, I don't know how popular or familiar they were, but they were songs that our family knew. And one of the songs that we would sing was this short little song called Sandy Land. Anybody know a song called Sandy Land? Pretty much just me. Song went like this Don't build your house on a sandy land. Don't build it too near the shore. Well, it may look kind of nice, but you'll have to build it twice, or you'll have to build your house once more. The second verse says, You better build your house on a rock, make a sure foundation on a solid spot. Well, the storms may come and go, but the peace of God you'll know. If we are to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, we have to make sure that our foundation is firm. If we are to weather the storms, we must be deeply rooted in the strength of the Lord's might. Because it is a reality that a spiritual war is being waged. John 16, we're reminded there, that there will be troubles in this life. Anybody have any troubles in this life? <laughs> However, one of the greatest challenges is the fact that the, the plans of the devil are not simply plans. They are schemes. Schemes, they are sneaky, they are deceptive, they are tricky, they are divisive. Can I get very, very real with you? Is that all right? 
I believe that one of the greatest schemes of Satan in this spiritual battle is the division amongst believers. Amen? I believe Satan loves it when he can cause chaos in a church body. I believe Satan loves it when he can separate one sheep from the flock. I believe Satan loves it when he can use things that are not essential to what it means to be a follower of Christ to destroy relationships and divide churches. Satan desires for us to engage in friendly fire, taking relationally lethal shots at those that are on our own side. Satan desires for us to engage in friendly fire, taking relationally lethal shots at those that are on our own side at our friends, at our family, at those that we go to church with. And I believe that this type of thing, when it takes place, I believe it thrills Satan. It happens with big things, and it happens with small things, significant things and insignificant things. Church things and social things and old things and new things and political things. It happens in all different spheres. Hymns or no hymns. Loud worship, quiet worship. Masks, no masks. Vax, no vax. Republican, Democrat. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And when healthy conversations around these topics turn into arguments about these topics and hateful posts about these topics and angry emails about these topics, I have to believe that Satan just sits there and smiles. Because what is happening is deeper than a difference in policy or procedure or preference or party. What is happening is a spiritual war that is being waged and inroads are being made by the devil. Please hear me. I am not saying that we should not talk about important issues. I am not saying we shouldn't wrestle with less important issues. We absolutely should. It's through these conversations that we're stretched and we're challenged to grow. It's through these conversations that we gain new understanding and insight. But when issues that are not essential to what it means to follow Jesus Christ begin to create fractures in the family of faith, Satan celebrates. And I will tell you that I hear stories about this happening in churches. I will also tell you that I'm thankful for how MVC has navigated so many challenging times and issues and circumstances. But here's the thing. We are not immune to these threats. The war is real and we are targets. This certainly is not the only scheme that the devil has, but it is an effective one. And I believe it is currently a scheme that is wreaking havoc amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we need to put on our new selves We need to stand firm in the might and the strength of the Lord, dressed in the armor of God, prepared for battle. We need to be prepared to say, not today, Satan. Not on this issue, not on this topic, not in my family, not with my friends, not in this church. Brothers and sisters, 
side by side, hand in hand, differing in views and perspectives, yet fully clad in the whole armor of God, we must stand together. The battle is raging, and you and I have a position to defend. But we cannot do that if we are divided. And so this morning, I want to call us to a very intentional time of prayer. We are going to take some time to pray this morning. And while we are praying, there will be a few moments of silence, and I will pray from up here. But while we are praying, if you want to stand, stand. If you want to kneel, please kneel. If you want to come up to the front here and kneel, please come up here and kneel. But there is a battle that is being waged, and it is dividing the church, and that is dangerous. We need to stand together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And the reality is there there are issues that we all have where we are tempted to cause division. There are hot-button topics that we all have, positions that we all have that we want to make sure everyone else knows. And if we're not careful with how we address those things, we are risking being used in a way that is counterproductive to the mission that God has called us to. I don't know what those things are for you. I need to wrestle with what those things are for me. But in order to do that, I need to bring these things before the Lord. And I need to ask the Lord to make me aware of what these things are. And I need to ask the Lord to help me understand how best to navigate these feelings and these emotions and these perspectives and these ideas that we have. Because we can have differing views. We can have differing perspectives. But the way that we navigate those, we need to do in a way that is honoring to God. In a way that doesn't tear down and doesn't destroy. In a way that helps us to stay firmly rooted in who Christ is. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the band to come back up here. I'm invite Steve to play behind our time of prayer if he would like. And we're going to take a few moments in prayer. And so whatever posture, whatever position you would like to take this morning, I invite you to do so. This is your time with the Lord. This is my time with the Lord. But we are going to come before the Lord this morning to ask him to work in our hearts and our minds to encourage us, to strengthen us so that we could be deeply rooted in order to stand firm against the devil's scheme. So would you join me in prayer? Lord God, there is a battle that is being waged. It is dangerous. It is real. And we need to be on guard. Lord, this morning I pray that you'd help us to stand firm in you. That like that tree planted by a stream of water that is being nourished. Lord, I pray that we would drop roots deep, deep into you. That you would strengthen us. That you would protect us. 
that you would clothe us in your armor, Lord. That we'd be able to stand and stand firm in your strength. Lord, this morning there are so many issues, some big, some small, issues that we have varying opinions and perspectives on. And Lord, I thank you for how you have created us each uniquely. I thank you for the gift of differing opinions. Thank you for the blessing of insight. And I thank you for the opportunity to have loving conversations. But Lord, this morning, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would protect us against divisive arguments and comments and posts and emails, snide remarks. Lord, I pray that we would be able to lovingly, compassionately engage with one another. That even if we disagree, Lord, we would be united in you. This morning, we take time before you, Lord, to seek your wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to be aware of those areas where we are struggling to do this, struggling to honor you in our conversation, struggling to live and converse and interact in a way that is pleasing to you. Those areas, Lord, where we, where we are causing division, Lord, I pray that you would bring those to our minds. I pray that we would be open to receiving that knowledge, that insight. Lord, I pray that like a surgeon with a scalpel, you would cut out those infected areas of our lives, that we might mend, that we might heal, that we might be united to you more deeply, that we might be united to one another more deeply. Lord, I pray this morning for relationships that may have been damaged. From harsh words, from a lack of care and compassion. And this morning, Lord, I pray for reconciliation. Lord, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the humility and the courage to seek forgiveness where forgiveness is needed. And Lord, I pray that as a body, an expression of your church here in Maple Valley, we would be united in you, that we would stand firm in your strength, that our roots would run deep, that you would nourish us and strengthen us, that we would interact and engage with one another in ways of compassion and love and understanding. Lord, you're doing a great work here. And I'm so thankful for that. May we not get in the way. May we not be a hindrance to what it is that you want to use us for. 
Lord, may we be your instruments and your tools used by you. May we hold fast. May we not retreat. May we proclaim your love and your grace to this community in word and deed. May our lives reflect your love and your grace. May they be testimonies to the eternal life that you have for us. Lord, today, we say not today, Satan. We say not on this issue, not on this topic, not in my family, not with my friends, and not in this church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.